This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Now let's turn to Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. Okay, we don't get a snow day because there's so much for us to talk about. I know we were going to get an update on the whole Surrey policing situation. Well, there's been some snowing on that one, I have to say, over a while. But you interviewed the administrator, the provincial government sent in to try to sort the budget out there yesterday. And he explained something that I didn't find clear up to this point. And he addressed the issue, the accusation, that the Surrey Policing Service, the new one, is over budget. And he explained, yes, of course it is. And the reason it's over budget is very simple. The Surrey, Surrey, with the mayor and her council majority in place, their plan for this year was that the Surrey Police Service would be phased out and re- and they'd go back to the RCMP. So they only gave the Surrey Police Service a half a year's budget. They ran out of money in July. So of course they're over budget because what Surrey was counting on that didn't happen because the province stepped in is, no, 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 they're not going to go back to the RCMP. The province has ordered they continue with the Surrey Police Service. So, of course, the Surrey Police Service needs a top-up to its budget. Uh, When the mayor says they're over budget, yes, they're over budget. But what she's not telling you is that the consequence of the provincial government stepping in and saying you're sticking with the Surrey Police Service is that the they don't have enough money for the year. Yeah, budget, um, the budget it, ended <laughs> in July. That's why they're over budget. The, they didn't fund them past really July. It's really clear, to me, clear for the first time. And I, I suggest the listener go to the um, NW News Archive and listen to that interview because it was just after 7 o'clock yesterday. Yes. And, you know, I was thinking as I was listening to you talking to Mike Sayre is why doesn't the provincial government let him do the talking? When Mike Farnworth talks, it's a politician battling right. with a politician. But, you know, it's all there. It's clear. And, Simi, I think, I think for the first time I can see the end game on the budget. He's gone to the provincial director of police services and said, you're going to have to step in and settle this thing. And by law, the provincial director of police services can do that. So I think sometime in the next few months, maybe the next few weeks, we're going to get a final budget for Surrey, and it is going to make sure that the Surrey Police Service has the money it needs to run for the year. Eventually, Surrey will presumably be paying for uh, those officers. I don't see an end to the political wrangling over this because you've got two governments pointing at each other and really trying to make sure the other one gets the blame for what's going to happen on taxes. But, yeah, I mean, I, I went, yeah, this 
makes Finally, sense. Finally, right. I see something that I didn't understand there. Yeah, I think they are letting him speak. I think that's why, like we've asked a, a lot of times, this was the first time they had said, yes, he will talk about this. And he explained it very well. It's not a growth budget. They weren't adding officers. It was just attrition, regular part of the planning. Yeah. They are still under the number they're even supposed to have. Yeah. Uh, and, it, you know, they can't grow. They can't do anything because they can't, they're not budgeted for it. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you get a budget, the thing goes ahead. And, oh, I guess the other thing that became apparent in the interview, though, is that Brenda Locke and the council out there, the reason they haven't accepted the reality that's there is because they still think that their court challenge to this decision will succeed, that the court will agree with Surrey and say, no, 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 you know, you're going ahead uh, with going back to the RCMP. Uh, the Surrey Police Service thing isn't going to happen. Now, you never know what a court's going to do, but I would say the odds makers that I've spoken to that know the law and, and that, they doubt very much that a court is going to step in and reverse the decision that Surrey Council already reversed. They expect that a court will let the thing go ahead. But that's the hesitation. That's really wishful thinking. That's kind of yeah, pie in the sky. Yeah. But there's still the question of political blame. And I guess that's the one thing we still don't know, Simi, is what is going to be the tab for this? Will the provincial government's offer of $150 million in transition funding cover all of the costs? Or at the end of the day, will there be a tax hike for Surrey ratepayers that Brenda Locke can blame on the provincial government. That's, that political blame question is still out there. It's the one area of anxiety for New Democrats, because if that's going to happen, they don't want to happen. They don't want it to happen before the provincial election, because right now the New Democrats hold most of the seats in Surrey. And if they were being blamed for big tax hike out there, uh, that wouldn't be that great for their re-election chances. So there's still a political battle, but I have to say Mike Sayre did a good job of clarifying where the budget battle is headed. Yes, certainly, which may, which I think impacts that property tax hike that the mayor is claiming, right, is yeah. going to happen. And so he's saying they're under budget if you just take yeah. the budget they had for the first yeah. six months. Anyway, we could talk about that all day. We've got more. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt we'll mention it again. I know. And I guess we talk story policing, so we must be able to talk about BC Ferries too, Vaughn. Yeah, BC Ferries, uh, remember when the New Democrats were in opposition and they were always saying, you know, if we ever get into government, we're going to start building BC Ferries here in British Columbia because the jobs will be here and the money will get spent here. And yeah, it might cost a bit more, but think of all the economic benefits. So they're in government. They've taken political control of BC Ferries. And I'm looking at a press release this week. Uh, BC Ferries has awarded a contract to build four new... Uh, coastal and um, island class ferries. Those are the ones that serve the smaller Gulf Islands, like Gabriola, Quadra. So uh, BC Ferries is awarded uh, contract to build four of them, uh, hybrid ferries, so the new kind of electric ferries. And the winning bidder is uh, a Dutch company that's going to build the ships in Romania. And I haven't heard a word of complaint from the government about it. Well, they just kind of accepted that that's what's going to happen, even though they now control the ferries. They could have asked for something different. 
They could have, but did any anybody here locally apply for that? Yeah, this is the re- this is the reality. I mean, there there were no bids from Canadian shipyards. Canadian Canadian shipyards. I mean, first of all, they're getting a lot of work from the federal government, which does build its ships here in Canada. Um, they are also, you know, they've got they get service work from BC ferries. But the bottom line is they can't compete um, by policy. I'm guessing that the NDP-controlled ferry corporation would have accepted a bid, if there'd been one, from a BC company, if it were in, you know, 5 or 10% of the foreign bids, but there weren't any. Uh, you know, the yards here are busy, they don't have the capacity, and they can't really staff themselves up to the level necessary to compete with the overseas builders because they wouldn't get a whole lot of other work. I mean, you can't keep a big shipyard going just on what BC Ferries provides. So anyway, um, they're coming from Romania. They join, what, six ships already from Romania. And for the listener who is wondering, Simi, uh, is this going to deal with the problem on the major routes of wait times and cancellations? Yeah. No, it won't. These are smaller ships. Um, they'll be on the run between Nanaimo and Gabriola Island and between Campbell River and Quadra Island, and they're needed there. But ferries are still several years away from building new ships. Uh, they are. They've asked for expressions of interest. They've said what they want to do. Uh, these will be new ships for the major runs, but I don't think the first ship. I think will be delivered in the next decade. So you know, we're still away from that. Simi, uh, uh, trivia fans: the last time BC Ferries built uh, a ship in British Columbia, it was, I believe, the Spirit. Uh, class ships, Spirit of Vancouver Island uh, is one of them. Uh, those were actually commissioned by the old social credit government. Really? Remember them? Yeah. Those ships, you know, are still in service. Uh, connoisseurs of BC Ferry Service like to get on the Spirit class ships because they're big. There's plenty of room to move around. They don't feel cramped. Uh, good services, and they're pretty reliable. They're, I have to say more reliable than the ships that were built in Germany. Those are the ones that keep breaking down and we have trouble with. And uh, I realize, I, I still find it hard to believe, given the worldwide reputation of German engineering, that German-built ships are a problem. I mean, maybe the mistake was not getting BMW or Audi or Mercedes-Benz to build them. Maybe the Germans quietly contracted them out to somebody, someone else. That's a bit of humor on my part. <laughs> you know Sarcasm, but there you go. What's also interesting is, Vaughn, it seems like this would be a good time to be in the shipbuilding industry because yeah. BC Ferries has a capital plan that involves new ships. We talked the other day about Washington State Ferries. So a lot of ferry systems are looking to upgrade their fleets. They are, and again, you know, the Horgan government initially talked big about a plan that would upgrade the shipyards in British Columbia and allow them to bid on these projects. And the Horgan government hinted that, you know, if the bids came in with uh, ballpark, there might be a premium allowed for building here in British Columbia, but none of that happened. And that plan, uh, Oregon government launched it, but I can say, you know, you can look at what they did. It did not 
take any yard in British Columbia to the level where they were willing to even take the time to bid on this contract. Maybe it'll be different on the larger ships that they're looking for. We don't know where that is yet, but the smaller ships, the Romanians are building them, and uh, they'll transport them over here, and they'll be put into service. Okay. Now, I also, before you go, wanted to talk about the Rachel Notley stepping down in Alberta. Yeah, Rachel Notley stepping down in Alberta, and I'm reading all the accolades, and they're well-earned there. She's the first NDP premier of Alberta, and she did change the political culture there. But as a British Columbian, <laughs> my thoughts went back to her rotten relationship with John Horgan. When Horgan was NDP premier of BC, Notley was pre- NDP premier of Alberta, and the two of them had both been staffers in the NDP government here in the 1990s. So you kind of thought, well, they must have some common ground. And they agreed on some things. But of course, Simi, they had a horrible row over the TMX pipeline. Horgan's government decided it would use every tool in the toolbox to stop it. And Notley, like a good Alberta premier, wanted that pipeline built. So that just That debate got pretty ugly between the two of them. At one point, uh, as I recall, Notley was threatening to boycott British Columbia wine in Alberta liquor stores to punish Horgan for his efforts to frustrate construction of the TMX pipeline. Oh, yeah, that got nasty. And, you th- and every time they talked about each other, it, they used very different words. Yeah, they did. My, my favorite moment in it all was Horgan used to try to say, well, you know, I get along with my friend Rachel Notley on other things. And at one point, Notley's staff got so mad at Horgan that one of her communications directors gave an interview and said, I want to make it clear he is not, she is not his friend. They are not friends. And I don't think I could think of a case where one premier in Canada had ever unfriended the other. She also had a great line about uh, Horgan's best tool in the toolbox thing. She said Horgan's toolbox turned out to be made not by Black & Decker or DeWalt, but by Fisher Price. <laughs> Vaughn, thank you for that. Bye-bye, Sim. That's Bob Palmer there for the Vancouver Sun.